You are listening to The Pilgrim on the 405 with Will Christ. Join him as he and his guests discover how businesses thrive in California. Well, welcome to The Pilgrim on the 405. We're going to hear today from the data guy. Rushab Mehta is the uh, founder and CEO of Matchbook AI. Welcome, Rushab. Thank you, Will. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I am excited yeah. to be here. Well, we're going to hear a whole lot about about data and uh, fidelity of data, veracity of data, and how we use that data. And I'm going to also be asking you some of the downsides and what we should be uh, be alert to, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into this data business? So I started as a chemical engineer of all things. I used to be a chemical engineer, uh, but quickly realized my passion was computers. And even within that, uh, it was all about data. And so for the last 24 years, that's all I've been doing is I've been working on uh, data solutions for companies. And, and it's really about, you know, data cannot lie. And, and yet we make it lie, right? With statistics and all that, we, we make it lie. <laughs> we make it tell a story and data does tell a story, right? So if you listen to it, it's, it's the most useful tool that any business owner has in uh, terms of uh, being competitive, in terms of really growing their business. And so, so data has always been a passion of mine. Uh, I've worked in the data and analytics space for uh, 20 plus years built a number of large systems and and you know along the journey the one common thing i have realized is nobody has good data nobody has clean data uh, what so, do you mean now what what does that mean to have clean data so clean data is all about making sure that you have the right information about your data uh you know for example i'll give you some great examples like if you if you're dealing with some uh, vendors and you're buying products from these vendors, uh, oftentimes you need to know a lot of information about these vendors to make informed decisions. So for example, uh, if you're relying on a vendor for critical components in your supply chain and you don't know that the vendor is going through a financial crisis, right? they're not able to make payments to their vendors on time and all, you know, which is all leading indicators that there might be a disruption to your supply chain, right? So that is one example of you not having good data. Uh, but there's many other examples of bad data, right? For example, you get a list of customers or prospects and you have incomplete information about them. You have missing names, you have missing addresses, um, missing email addresses, you're trying to profile your customers and you don't have the right gender information. Uh, it's not clean in many ways. And sometimes, you know, different systems will give you data in different ways. So for example, if you think about a simple attribute about a person like gender, <clears throat> you know, you would expect there to be two distinct values or maybe three distinct <laughs> values, right? But but I, I've gone to customer databases and I've seen values ranging from M, F, male, female, zero, one, null, unknown, uh, you know, every different version of this. And the challenge that comes out of that 
is you end up with not having the information in a way that you can make decisions on. Right? Right. And so that's those are examples of bad data, and that's just a few. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> well, uh, so so now, uh, how? How do you help businesses with this? I mean, do you, do you take their database and clean it up? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you do? Yeah, so the unique uh, thing that we discovered along the journey, and uh, one thing that I discovered, is you cannot just clean your data with what you have within the enterprise. You really need to go connect your data to external reference sources, which are by default mastered in many ways and clean, right? So by connecting your unclean data accurately to these reference data sets, you can start bringing in clean data. And, and not only start bringing in clean data, but you can also bring in data that you don't have within the organization. So for example, if you're working with a supplier, you may know the supplier name, you may know the supplier address, you may know the tax ID, but you don't know the financial situation of the supplier, right? But a third-party data vendor might actually have that information, right? And so you want to bring that in. So, so that's precisely where we help our customers. So you have a, a encyclopedia of all the databases that are available. We are uh, building that slowly but surely. There's there's a uh, there's probably over uh, two to three hundred different reference data providers uh, that provide different types of data, different quality of data. Uh, and then of course, there's all these uh, government registries, different sources uh, where you can go connect to that data. So, so that's something that we've been building within our platform so that we allow our customers to bring in the right information they need for their use cases. So how did, how did uh, Matchbook AI get started? Ah, it actually got started as a garage project, believe it or not. Uh, so I had, uh, I had designed something very similar for a customer and, um, and, uh, it ended up that the customer didn't build it because it was going to be too expensive to build. Uh, and then fast forward a few months, I was, uh, getting bored and I wanted to learn some new technologies and I figured the best way to learn new technologies is to build something right? you can't really just build technologies with hello world applications. Right. Uh, and, and so I, I remembered that I had this uh, solution that I designed and never got built. And I decided to take that on to build it. So, uh, so I built it and this is uh, back in 2015. So I built it, you know, typically my evenings and weekends trying to learn this new technologies along the way. And I ended up by the end of 2015 with a pretty solid application. Uh, now, what did you build it in? Was it a coding platform? It was uh, .NET. So I was, uh, as, uh, as finally learning .NET and C Sharp and all those things. So, uh, so use those technologies to build out this platform. Um, and then at the end of 2015, I started showing it around to some, uh, uh, some of my data partners and customers and suddenly started seeing interest in uh, them wanting to buy it. Uh, hmm. And so that really led to me saying, okay, this is more than just a uh, hobby project and I need to uh, think about that seriously. And then since then, you know, we started working with customers. We started learning about uh, more of the nuances of an enterprise, of a true enterprise, 
uh, where it's not just about connecting one system to external sources, but it's connecting systems across your enterprise, all the different use cases that arise from that, and really morphed a platform over the last uh, five years into something that that is truly enterprise grade. So how big is the company now? How many people? So as of yesterday, 31 people uh -huh. in the company. And we uh -huh. are continuing to grow. Uh, we will probably be around 40 to 45 people by the end of this year uh -huh. and, uh, and growing. Yeah. Where, where do you want to be five years from now? Oh, that's an interesting question. So, so our goal as a platform is really to be that central piece in every enterprise, every organization's data flow and data processes, right? Uh -huh. So, because every system at some point or the other in their life cycle needs reference data. And so we want to be that one connector within every enterprise that connects that enterprise to reference data and keeps that managed. So can can you tell me some stories about clients whose data was getting in the way of their growth? Yeah, so, so we work with one of the largest uh, pharmaceutical uh, medical uh, manufacturers in the world. Uh, they have uh, multiple divisions across the globe and each division has its own ERP system. Um, what they were challenged with was something very simple, which is uh, if I'm working with vendor A in this division, what other relationships do I have within my organization with that vendor? Right. It started with a very simple question, and it was all about being able to master the data seamlessly across the various ERPs so that when someone was buying something from a vendor in uh, Division A, they immediately knew that here's all the other relationships we have within our company with other divisions with this vendor and, and understanding that relationship. So. So that's a great example where uh, where this company spent uh, you know, over four years trying to master this data uh, using traditional methods, all of which failed before they came to us. And using our platform in three months, they were able to start mastering about 80% of their vendor data. Uh, and so for them, it opened up this massive visibility across their supply chain that they didn't have before. What did that do for them? So uh, aside from visibility, it allowed them to start reducing risks across their supply chain. Uh, plus, it gives them the benefit of uh, being able to uh, find opportunities, price reductions, all that, where they are buying from the same supplier and the volumes and so on. Uh, and then similarly, we have another customer, again, supply chain use case, a massive uh, uh, government uh, entity. And for them, spending their spend by diversity is extremely important. So when they have vendors across all these ERP systems, they need to know in near real time how much of our spend is going to a small business versus a minority-owned, female-owned, all of that. And, uh, and that was a hard thing for them. And so using our platform, they're able to do that in real time and keep that current on a daily basis. So they couldn't do it because their data was not clean or because they didn't have a system for, for getting the reports or what? Because their data was not clean. 
and it couldn't be easily mastered across their ERPs. Uh, so what we have found is when you need to master your data across different systems within the enterprise, the best way to master that is to connect each and every system to a common reference source. And typically that common reference source is going to be uh, a reference data source outside the organization. And, and that's precisely what our platform does. A company would, with a variety of systems would connect all of those systems to one reference database outside, mm -hmm. and that would come in and cleanse the data and, and, and it master it. synchronize it. It would master it because it's all coming from the same source. Correct. Right. So, and I'll give you a great example. So if you're working with, uh, with uh, uh, Dell Technologies, and then you're doing business with Dell Technologies, and in one system, your ID for Dell Technologies is uh, vendor 013. Mm -hmm. And in your customer system, it has a completely different customer ID. It's the same company. Uh, by connecting both those systems independently to a reference data set, you get a identifier, which is now common between both those systems. And so by then using that identifier, you're able to uh, clearly master your data. All right, so here's, an, here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I company, and I will use exactly the same one you had. So Dell Technologies, and one is in the sales, and the other is in procurement. We right. buy from it, and we also sell to them. And, and one system has a series of contacts that are associated with sales. Another has contacts in it associated with procurement. All right, now, are we going to put those together? So we have one one uh, set of contacts for Dell. That depends on if you're mastering the company or you're mastering the people. Okay. Right. So if you're mastering the company, then you're going to put the Dell and Dell together and then keep all these contacts. And, and these contacts might stay separate. But if you're also mastering the people, if you have the same individual on both places, then yes, you combine that. But say, I have the relationship in uh, my vendor database. This is my relationship with this person. And on the sales side, this is my relationship, which could suppose, be different relationships. All right, suppose the sales department says, oh yes, while we're doing that, we realize we only have 20% of the sales team at, uh, uh, or of the, the purchasing team at Dell that we're selling to. We would like to get the rest of the, the other 80%. Can you help them with that? That's correct, yes. Through our integration with different uh, data providers, we can get them that level of information they need. So where would Zoom Info fit in that that world? So they would fit in as a partner of ours, a data partner. Uh -huh. so, so think of us as merely the uh, glue between these data partners and the uh -huh. Enterprise systems. Well, that, uh, we use Zoom Info in in our business, and right. and and we find that they're you know eighty percent correct, mm -hmm. uh, and, and and so that's very helpful because that helps fill out uh, a lot of the information that we need about uh, you know who is who who are the leaders, uh, what's the revenue, how long they've been in business, where are they, where's the headquarters, things like that, but. So, so it's it's not only it's not only mastering. I mean, uh, coordinating data. It's also um, 
what would it be uh, perfecting data perfecting data because sometimes what happens and like you rightly said you know zoom info might have 80% correct information right and and that's the one thing we have found in our journey is no one data provider has 100% accurate information right so right. so it really is about blending data from multiple data providers to then stitch together that uh, close to 100% accurate information mm. And uh, and that's that's really where our value proposition again comes in. Wow, wow. So so now, how how when you you were in your garage and you begin to find this was you alone, right? Yeah, back in 2015, it was me alone, right? This, Just me. Your, your okay. hobby, right? Your your my hobby, your, right? Exactly. Hobby. It was night and weekend. Where did where did Daddy go? Huh. He's out in the garage. <laughs> Fortunately, my son was born in December 2016. So, oh. uh, and and that's also the point where I actually decided to jump into this full time, uh, quit uh -huh. my uh, consulting job, uh, so I could also be at home, be a full time dad as well, uh, and be there for my son and my wife. So, what was the journey from from the garage to? What uh, thirty six uh, employees? How did who who came on board first? Yeah, so the first thing we did in twenty sixteen, once we saw the interest from customers, is uh, is we decided to take what I had built and actually make it a SaaS platform so that we could charge recurring revenues. So my first team consisted of uh, a person Kayur in India. That I brought on, and then uh, and then two other people uh, to to take what I had built and uh, make it into a SaaS platform. So they worked with me. Uh, Kayur is still with me. He leads all of our dev uh, in India. Uh, so he leads all of our dev teams and all that there. Uh, and uh, and so that's that was the first iteration where I brought in people to help uh, build up the platform. Then I brought in an advisor in uh, 2017 to start helping me formulate how I'm going to build out the company itself. Around well, the you platform. had two people. You had three people. One was in India, and two others. Where were they located? Uh, they were also in India, so they were oh. part-time consultants. Uh, oh, good. Okay. Working on this, right. right? So my initial team was predominantly in India, the three people, and then me here. Uh, then I also brought on uh, here a data consultant, uh, someone that I had worked with for years, someone I trusted, I uh, enjoyed working with, uh, Patrick. Mm -hmm. And so he came on, uh, he started helping me part-time. Uh, and for him, it was more of a hobby to help. And, you know, we worked well together. So, so we both collaborated, worked on uh, some of these things. Uh, and many a times when I was working on something very challenging, uh, Patrick was kind of my muse. This so, is this Patrick Dubois. Yes, Patrick Dubois. Ah, yep, Patrick Dubois. So, right. uh, so he was kind of my muse, and we would bounce ideas, and and it was always good because I could get a lot more done uh, uh -huh. that way. Uh, and then, of course, Patrick later on uh, in uh, 2019 joined full time onto the team sure. as well. And so, brought in Patrick, uh, and then really started building out. More of the team in, uh, in 2017, I brought on a, a full-time QA person to help with uh, starting to do QA 
as we started building out new features functionality, uh, brought in Brenda McCabe as an advisor in huh. 2017. And uh, in uh, 2018, uh, we started ramping up a little bit more since we started getting paying customers. Uh, we started ramping up, uh, adding more people on the India team as well. And then 2019 is when we really started serious hiring. So, uh, so 2019, we, uh, we brought in, uh, quite a few people, uh, on the team uh -huh. and just started going from there, that point on. So now where did, did you, was this a bootstrap financing? Did you have investors? So, uh, mainly bootstrap did the entrepreneurial journey, max out my credit card, max out my life insurance. Uh, uh -huh. cash that out, did all that good stuff to get to that point. And then in uh, 2018, I got my first friends and family check from my cousins uh -huh. and that helped. And then in 2019, we did one more round uh, with uh -huh. friends and family. Uh, so, so Bootstrap used revenues to grow and then also uh, uh, friends and family initially. Uh so have you gotten to the place where you've replaced your uh, your life insurance? No. <laughs> Still waiting on that. Okay, good. Well, hopefully next year. Good, good, good. Yeah. So uh, uh, how many clients do you have now? So now we have 20 customers. 20? Yeah. yeah. And uh, seven, of, uh, seven of the Fortune 50 at this point. Oh, good. Yeah. And this is a SaaS model? SaaS model. Yeah. So it's a subscription. And uh, uh, I, I presume that uh, that your VP for customer success is uh, out there uh, beating the rounds to find people who have problems right now with uh, with their database, right? Yeah, we have. Uh, so we brought in a VP of sales recently, about four months back, Wes Billingsley. Oh. Uh, okay. And uh, so he brings with him a lot of enterprise sales experience, uh, uh -huh. SaaS and all. Uh, used to be in the early days of SAP and Ariba. And mm -hmm. then since then, he's worked with a lot of startups. And, uh, you know, uh, so brought him on, uh, brought on a board member, Shankar Ram, recently. Uh, and uh, we closed our funding round as well, our uh, seed round. We just raised uh, $1.3 this year oh, good. Uh, as well. And that really helped us drive uh, growth in uh, people and then uh, being able to grow out the business as well. Well, it, it, it brings, it puts the uh, money down for Wesley to come in and then pay for his, uh, pay for his seat, right? Right, right. Well, <laughs> yes. But so uh, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, all right. So, so 20 clients, what are you, what are you predicting for the next 12 months? How many clients? So over the next uh, 12 months, we'll have about uh, 30 to 35 New clients. New clients. New clients. Which will put you close to 50. Right. Yeah. Good. Close to over 50. So we've been investing a lot in customer success. You know, Dan's team's grown now to over six people. Uh, and uh, he's still constantly interviewing and hiring on his team, uh, as well as engineering, uh, because we know we have a high growth period coming up. Uh, we also have some really good partnerships with our data providers. Uh, including Dun and Blatt Street, and so we we actually get a lot of customer referrals through them. 
So what, what is Dan's job uh, in, in customer success? So Dan's job is uh, to manage, uh, one is all the pre-sales activities. So any mm -hmm. technical pre-sales, architecture POCs, and then everything post-sales. So everything from uh, customer onboarding, customer training, uh, to uh, customer success and support. So mm -hmm. uh, he's responsible for our NPS scores and making sure that customers are getting the benefit they need and uh -huh. what they signed up for. Safe to say that most of the the initial twenty sales were you made. Uh, it was a combination of me, uh, Dun and that Street as well, uh, uh -huh. and then yeah. In the company though, it was you. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm still and the uh, as Wes puts it, I'm still the best salesperson. Well, of course, <laughs> of course. But what you've done is you've delegated that to, and and that's part of part of the growth is to get to a place where you can. We start off with with in that garage. You had right. every hat on your head, absolutely. And then, then as you delegate, you begin taking those hats off and handing them to other people, right? Yeah, we and, did that even with engineering. So engineering is a great example. Uh, Brett uh, Brett Thompson, who came in as VP Engineering, uh, he's someone I've been wanting to hire for the last two and a half three years, uh -huh. and uh, ever since I started this into something more serious. I always knew that I would bring in Brett Thompson. He is me, only much smarter. And so those are the kind of people I want. So so brought him in and he's completely taken over engineering to the extent that he doesn't even let me get into it anymore. He's like, <laughs> you go find me the money and the people and right. I will deliver on the platform and your yes. vision. So now, yeah, yeah. Uh, does that mean that you love bringing in the money, uh, working with the team? Are these things that you love? Yeah, I do. So, uh, so well, I was never good at bringing in the money. I was never oh. good at asking people for money. That's been one of my biggest challenges. Uh, but early this year, we actually joined Expert Dojo, and it really changed me from being afraid to ask for money to being bold about asking for money and saying, we are worth it, you need to invest, and this is a sure bet. And do you love doing that? Yeah, yeah, so it's it's been fun, I've, I've enjoyed, and, and I enjoy talking to investors because it gives me a good perspective. You know, sometimes it tells me about where there might be pitfalls. You know, now not every investor might understand what I do, I'll understand the market, but those they do, and they say no, that is the best feedback I can get. You know, if I know that an investor is in the space, they have invested in that space, and uh, if they give me particular feedback, I'm paying much more attention to that. We ended up right. rebranding because of uh, some of the investor comments as well. And uh, and as you take these hats and uh, move them away, and to, you delegate them to other people you get to choose the things that you love doing, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So one of the things, you know, I, I keep looking at is even with Dan, for example, you know, I, I'm constantly training him to move up further so that he can have more people under him and he can uh, rise up to uh, higher levels. And I've always been a mentor uh, for the last 15 plus years of being uh -huh. in technology. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed the most is mentoring people. And that means 
that I'm always wanting them to know as much as I do or more uh-huh. and uh-huh. become better than me. Because I've right. always felt that that's how I grow. Right. right. I learn more and I learn new things. And and as as you know, Dan and uh, Brett uh, begin to put together teams, then they need to learn how to not just do their job, but they need to learn how to lead and manage, delegate and manage. Right. Yeah. 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 So they've been doing exceptionally. I mean, Brett's already, as I said, he's he's a better yeah. version of me. So he's <laughs> already uh, there, uh, and Dan's also there. You know, it took him a little while to yeah. get hands off, but uh, but he's definitely there now. Uh, he's Excellent. learning to delegate more and, and trust. So because it's all about delegating, trusting, and then just overseeing and helping. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it sounds like you've got a, a ramp that's uh, going to pick you up pretty quickly and carry you, you're going to double, you're going to more than double, almost uh, triple your uh your uh, no, I guess you'll be a little bit over double your your uh, customer base in the next. Yeah, we'll months. be we'll be over double customer base, but in terms of revenues, we'll be uh, four to five x. Really? So, Are you raising prices, or is it a uh, combination? Uh, raising prices, but adding a lot more uh, value add features. So even within our existing customer bases, we are constantly growing that value. Uh, oh. existing and then with the new clients you know we are going in at higher values as well uh-huh. Uh-huh. so what what are you seeing going on in business in the next uh next five to ten years how do you see where we are now moving forward with businesses i think I'll, one of the things i see with businesses is they still struggle a lot with data and the right data for decisions. So that's going to be an ongoing challenge. I think businesses continue to evolve. Uh, the systems are getting better for data and data management. And uh, I definitely see a world where uh, where data is not so siloed within businesses. You know, from my own perspective, what we are looking at is a world where data is. Uh, is well managed, well kept, and accessible across the enterprise, uh, without it being siloed in multiple systems. Uh, simplifying IT and simplifying systems, which uh, which make uh, business owners be able to focus on business versus IT. Uh-huh. Are companies concerned about the security of their data? Absolutely. So we, you know, we are working with some of the largest companies in the world. Um, there's absolute concern over security, especially with it being in cloud and all. But at the same time, the systems, the security, uh, encryption technologies are all getting really good. And uh, one thing we have been very careful about is right from the ground up, we have built security into the platform. Uh, we have, uh, because we knew that at some point as we start managing data for customers, that's going to come to the forefront. Uh, and then recently, we also brought in a uh, CISO on our advisory board, uh, Henry Ivy, uh-huh. uh, to help guide us and make sure that our security procedures, processes uh, for securing customer data is is the best it can be. As, as more data comes in, that's certainly a big uh, a big concern. Is is how we how we protect that data, uh, especially since there are 
there are bad actors out there who <laughs> not just going to stumble into it, but they're actively actively trying to pry their way in. Yeah, and I think the biggest challenge is it's the bad actors sometimes within the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have those outside, but those now more and more you can prevent. It's the ones within the organization. Well, all right. So, what are what are some of the struggles that you have? You know, your two a.m. concerns. You wake up two a.m. and you're worried about what's going on. What what? Uh, and it could be your company. It could be the business world in general. But just what are the concerns that you have? Yeah, typically uh, the concerns I uh, for my own business. It's about making sure that we are uh, uh, two things. One is that our existing customers are getting the value that they need and making sure that that's that's across our company the top priority for everyone, whether they be customer success, engineering, or anywhere. But I think uh, currently it's all about growth. So we've been hyper-focused on growth right now. and uh, And that's the one thing that keeps me up is making sure that we are doing all the right things, talking to the right people, and making the right moves uh, in terms of hitting growth. All right. What What else? What else are you uh, concerned about? Besides that, I think it's it's uh, you know we have a great team, which uh-huh. which is phenomenal. I think the biggest challenge we are finding right now is there is a distinct lack of talent. Uh, you know, the people that are good, they are finding jobs easily. So it's we are finding it hard. We interview people and. Suddenly they're gone. They've accepted another offer, uh, things like that. So there's definitely a strong job market right there for uh, individuals and talented people. So we find that a challenge. We've been looking, you know, growing our customer success team, and it's taken us a long while. You know, we we made some offers before, and uh, people ended up taking other offers. Uh, Why do you think? Uh, what What do you think is going on that they're accepting somebody else's offer other than yours i think it's it's just it is a hot market people are getting multiple offers like everyone we talk to they often get multiple offers and we being a startup you know we cannot pay one hundred and sixty thousand or one hundred and forty thousand, right and salaries Uh easily plus plus we look for people that have a startup eq i think for us it's very important that they have Uh startup eq and they understand how working at a startup is distinctly different from working at a nine to five job within any other enterprise. You know, it is different. Uh, everyone on our team understands they have to wear multiple hats. They have to pivot right. on a dime. Uh, and, uh, and they like it. They, they're good with that. Well, let me try something out on you. This is something I've been thinking about. Now, you, you know that I'm an implementer for the entrepreneurial operating system, right? The book Traction is the how. That's how businesses get better. This is a system. So this is the how. And then uh, we just published a book called The EOS Life. And this is what I believe is the why. There are five things in the EOS Life. You're only doing what you love doing, which is what you're doing by delegating things away. You only do what you love doing with people that you love and you tell me you got a great team and you love being with them you're making a great contribution and you know it right you're getting feedback a great contribution to the company to 
clients and, and maybe to the world and being compensated appropriately. And then finally, you have plenty of time left over for your other passions. I'm wondering if when a company is talking to these employees that have have, have left, right? 50% of the people are resigning. So I'm wondering if they said, if the company said, and this I'm asking you, if the company said, we want all of our employees to be living this kind of life, right? Yes, we want to be profitable, and yes, we want good products. At the same time, the third thing that we want for sure is that everyone here will be living that life, only doing what they love doing with people they love, making a great contribution, getting compensated appropriately, and having plenty of time left over. Would that make a difference in terms of attraction? Probably would, and that's something we should try. We should absolutely try doing. You know, our current employees, for example, I believe they all love what they do. You know, we we mm -hmm. are uh, we we as a company believe in family first. We don't believe in this being a nine to five job for anyone. So if right. someone needs to go in the middle of the day to a PTA meeting or to drop their son or daughter to school or anything else, they don't even have to ask permission, right? They they go, they do the things. You know, mm -hmm. all we care about is the outcomes. Uh, we've started with no meeting Fridays to try and give people more, uh, more of that time, uh, thought process time. You know, we've been actively looking at cutting down team meetings and all of that so that we don't cram the other days with meetings uh, and we are looking to uh, hopefully by early next year go to a four four day weekday uh, because i i do believe uh, personally and and i think my team that you know it giving that time to family is very important yeah i'm just wondering eos is right now we're in about 13 to 13,000 different companies that mm -hmm. we're working with and by 2030, we're going to be in 100,000 companies. And if, if, if you said the average employees in those companies is, is like 50, that's 5 million people. And, and if all the companies that are working with implementers like me mm -hmm. have as one of the three things that they want to accomplish in the next 5, 10 years, in addition to revenue and products, but the third thing is 100% of their people living that EOS life. That's going to affect 5 million people and their families. Right. And I think that's a pretty big, what do you think? Is that a, do you think that'll be a big uh, impact on business? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that I, I'm just wondering, you know, I mean, I've, I've been thinking about that in, in, and just asking companies to consider when they're in this competition, I don't think it's just money. Yeah, it's not, right? That's it's definitely not. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. And and I think also for us, it's it's uh, finding those people that are passionate, that understand the vision of what uh -huh. we are doing and how we are changing the world, and just understanding buying into that because I've. You know, that's the one thing, you know, for people that are bought into that, it's beautiful working with them. I'm assuming that when you guys make it big, that given what I believe of you, I mean, I'm, my bet would be that you are going to share that great revenue with your people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so, are doing a lot of things around equity and equity stock option plans. Yeah. We, have, we have already given out equity to our original people that have been with the company. Uh, uh-huh. We're doing new stock option plans. So we we want to make sure that everyone wins, especially our employees, right? Because they're the right. ones that, that are getting our company to where uh, we need it to be. Do you tell your candidates these things? Uh, we don't usually. Why? Don't know. We probably need to. But but I don't want them coming just for that, right? I need them no, to be no. part into and passionate about the work itself and the company. Yes. More than just the money and the no, equity. It, yeah. It's not right? the money because, you know, no. Right. It, there's something, there's some, it's got to be some way to talk about that without talking about money. It There's some right. way of saying we're a team we're going to win the super bowl do you want to be with us right right absolutely yeah because i remember you know early on in my career uh i've never made a choice between money and the work the work for me always came first if i was passionate about something i did it it didn't matter if i was making way less or not making money i enjoyed doing it right Right. i think it got me to where i am yeah Oh, and I think that's, I think, I think what we were talking about is a significant change in the world right now and through a world of business. And I think that a lot of the people who are resigning right now, that, that whether they know it or not, that's the message they're sending. I only want to do what I love doing. Right. I want to do what people I love. I want to be making a great contribution and I want people to recognize it. I want to be paid not thousands and millions and millions, but I want to be paid, you know, appropriately. Right. And I want to have time left over. And I think that's what they're looking for. So the more companies that I can, I can uh, encourage and invite and persuade to use that as their, this is who we are. This is what mm-hmm. we want to be. This is what we, how we live. Do you want to be with us? We talk about compensation, talk about money, but it's going to be appropriate, so that's right. right? Let's talk about what you want to do because this is who we are. Maybe we've discovered each other, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Maybe that's it. Good. Excellent. Well, what what would you like to uh, leave? Uh, uh, how can people get in touch with you and, and when should they be talking to you? Anytime they find that they have, uh, they don't have the right data for decision making you know, is the perfect time to talk to us. And they can get in touch with us through our website, which is uh, matchbookai.com, or my personal email, which is rmetta at matchbookai.com. Always happy to uh, talk to to folks about their data challenges, their data journey, and uh, what keeps them up (laughs) at night with data. So excellent. Excellent. Well, Rishpa, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I look forward to our next conversation that we have. Absolutely. Well, you know, this is just one more example of how businesses in California, even California, how we thrive here. Thank you so much, Will. You've been listening to The Pilgrim on the 405 with Will Christ. 